The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How am I now? Not good. Not good because I had to watch that game on Sportsnet. Whoa. That is the worst broadcast as a Montreal Canadiens fan that you could ever have to sit through. More on that later, but your Montreal Canadiens, they lose uh, 7-1 to one to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And there's only two games left. We're heading into the offseason. And uh, I think a lot of us are probably glad that we're heading into the offseason. Um, I, I said this on Marinero's podcast last night. I can't wait for next year. I feel like camp's going to be really fun. I feel like we're going to get an opportunity to see some some young players uh, come up and compete to make the roster for the first time in their careers. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's it's It sucks to see a second season in a row where they're not going to be in the playoffs. But look... Sometimes short-term pain for long-term gain, it's what you got to go through. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to recap this one against my better judgment. I think most people might want to tune out for this, but I'll try to be quick so I can talk about Sportsnet and all the other shit at the end of it. Um, five minutes into this game, the Habs don't even have a shot on goal. The Leafs only have three, so I'm feeling like, eh, maybe it's not going to be that bad. Maybe the Leafs are also kind of not really caring about this game because it means nothing for them. They've pretty much locked up home ice, I think, barring a miracle. I don't think Tampa can take it from them, but it's not looking good for the Habs. And then they get a early power play. That one doesn't go, but then they get another chance near midway through the period, and that one does. Justin Barron's off for a high stick. Mitch Marner off the rush. Tries to put a pass through to Austin Matthews. Matthews can't really do anything with it, so he just kind of taps it back to Marner. He rips it. It's one nothing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 12 minutes is how long it took for the Montreal Canadiens to register a single shot on goal. Dear Lord, this is not going well. Then they get another power play for the Leafs. Later on in the frame, this time it's Chris Weidman off for tripping. And again, it's Marner. This time, though, he sauces it out of the corner to John Tavares in front. Easy one. For Johnny Toronto, it's 2 nothing. That's all they could get in the first period, but the shots were 18-1 to in favor of the Leafs. Holy fuck, what does the second period have in store? Um, but the Habs actually have more shots in the first three minutes of the second period than they did in the entire first. Uh, so looking a lot better, but still uh, not great. Just under three minutes in, though, the Habs actually get one. Mike Matheson, he's dancing at the blue line, goes all the way down the wall, around the net, passes it back up to the point to Johnny Kovacevic, and he rips one through traffic. It's 2-1. to one. The Habs are in this. But real quick after that, uh, puck gets thrown out in front. William Nylander, he's trying to tip it in, and maybe he did. They did give him credit for it, but it looked like it went off Justin Barron. It basically gets flop-shotted 
over Samuel Montembeau and into the net, and it's 3-1 to one for the Leafs. Then right after that, Michael Bunting rings one off the crossbar. Rebound goes to Mitch Marner. He gets his second of the game. It's 4-1. to one. And then we go to the third period, and it's just it's it's bleak. It doesn't look good if you're a Habs fan. Uh, they get more penalty trouble. Rafael Harvey-Bitnard uh, to the box about six minutes in and change. Uh, mad scramble in front. Few shots on Samuel Montembeau, and then John Tavares backhands the rebound in. Now it's five to one. Habs challenge that one, doesn't go, so they get a penalty out of that as well. Um, about six minutes left in the period, Matthews gets loose and he rips one. Now it's six to one, and they get another power play. Fourth time that they're going to score in the power play in this game. Matthews gets another shot, tipped this time by Michael Bunting. Seven to one is your final score. I think I got through that re- uh, that recap pretty quickly. I think that was an efficient way of doing it, considering that we had to recap eight goals and seven of them were not scored by my team. Um, That was a rough game. And it was rough primarily for me, not because they lost, right? Not even because the way they lost either, because I had to watch it on Sportsnet. It's a Saturday night game, and most of you know what that means. Uh, Most of you who listen to this podcast also know that I tend to listen to my games en français, mais exclusivement avec RDS, J'aime pas vraiment TVA Sport, fait que normalement ce que je fais, c'est que les samedis soirs, je vais changer, je vais le faire en anglais. And I regret it every single time. I cannot stand the Sportsnet broadcasters. The first Austin Matthews goal, well no, he only scored one. But the, what was that? That was the the 5-1 goal? No, the 6-1 goal, okay? So the 6-1 goal for the Leafs. Matthews gets sent in, right? It was Marner who passed it up. He kind of flips it up in the air, but it's, the puck's going to go into the corner. Now, Jake Evans, not a defenseman, he's back on D, and he kind of kicks it. He's trying to kick it up to his stick, but he kicks it right to Matthews. Matthews shoots and scores. The Sportsnet broadcast spent about five minutes, maybe longer than five minutes, whining about the fact that they didn't credit Marner with an assist and going so far as to suggest that the Toronto Maple Leafs should appeal to the league to get that change to an assist for Mitch Marner so he could get 100 points. Shut the fuck up forever. You're up. You're. We, we all know that you guys cheer for the Leafs. This is not a surprise. So nobody's like upset and saying, hey, you shouldn't cheer for your team. Whatever. We get it. You guys are supposed to be a national broadcaster. You're not really a national broadcaster. You guys love the Leafs. You dick ride them every chance you get. But when you're up 6-1, are you seriously going to sit there and whine about the fact that the guy didn't get awarded another assist so he doesn't hit his 100 points? He's still got games left. He's still got a chance to hit 100 points. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Definitely shut up. Nobody cares if Mitch Marner gets that extra point. Not even Leafs fans. Most Leafs fans are watching that game. I put out a tweet about it, and I had Leafs fans replying to me saying it was ridiculous, right? So you guys sound like morons, right? Me as a Habs fan, right? If we were in game 82 of the year, and we're already lined up for home ice advantage in the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they screwed Nick Suzuki out of an assist that he absolutely should have had. This one, by the way, again, because Jake Evans had sort of control of the puck with his foot, by the book, it's it's an unassisted goal, but whether or not you think it should be an assist is immaterial to the point that most fans, most people who actually care about the game, don't care about a player hitting 100 points. If Nick Suzuki got screwed out of an assist that he absolutely needed to hit the 100 points for the first time in his career, I would not care. I would not be sitting here complaining about them not giving him the assist. 
It's ridiculous to me that a national broadcast is sitting there openly complaining because they want to see Mitch Marner hit 100. Like, just shut up. Shut up. Your own fans don't care. You shouldn't care. The organization, the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, definitely doesn't care. They're not going to appeal to the league to get a ruling on the ice change about an assist so that their player can have one more point than he would otherwise have. That's ridiculous. You're a bunch of babies. Stop it. You guys are paid well enough to not do this crap. But I digress. Silver lining of the night. Your silver lining of the night, this is going to be very tough for me. Uh, I kind of wanted to go with Johnny Kovacevic because he did score a really nice goal. That was a rip. So he's, he comes in a close second here. So why don't I talk about him a little bit first, right? You know, Kovacevic is a guy that they picked up off waivers. Um, I think he's potentially part of the rebuild. I've been impressed with the way that he's played in a lot of games, even when they haven't been very good. Like Even some of the worst games that they've played, he's looked all right, like this one. You lose 7-1, but still I'm left wondering about Johnny Kovacevic afterwards. Like, could he make this team next year? Could he stick on the blue line? I think the only unfortunate thing that Johnny Kovacevic has going against him is that David Savard and Joel Edmondson still exist as Montreal Canadiens. If they didn't, if they got traded in the offseason ahead of the draft, whatever, I could see them going next year with, like, Matheson, Gooley, uh, Jackeye, Barron, Harris, and then Kovacevic. I could see them running those six to start the year. And then you'd have potentially some battles going on, like Jaden Struble, uh, Logan Mayu is probably going to turn pro as well. Like, who, who gets the first call-up? Who's the seventh D, so to speak? Uh, might be very much up for grabs, but I could see Kovacevic getting into that starting lineup if they move one or maybe both of those veterans. We'll have to wait and see, but I've been impressed with Johnny Kovacevic this year. I think it was not an easy position that he was put in coming to a team, you know, coming from the Jets, who are a pretty good team, to the Habs, who are a pretty bad team, uh, and having to be saddled with some pretty big minutes uh, for, for a team that was never expected to compete in the first place and really didn't compete uh, for large swaths of the year. So, look, pretty good season from him. Um, I, I think there's a possibility that he's part of the rebuild. But my silver lining of the night, and I've already gone with this guy a couple of times, so I know it's gonna. I'm going back to the old well, but it's Mike Matheson again, man. Mike Matheson made a few genius plays in that game. The first one was, of course, him setting up the Johnny Kovacevic goal. He makes one move at the blue line, bolts around the offensive zone, gets all the way behind the net, and then goes back up to the point with it. The things that he can do offensively are amazing, many times. And this in a game where, again, the Habs had one shot on goal through 20 minutes. So offensively speaking, it was it was desolate. There There was no offense. It was the Sahara Desert. And Mike Matheson was a tall drink of water in the middle of the Sahara Desert. It was, you know, one of the roughest games that you could have to sit down and watch. And still, he managed to look good. He also had a great defensive play where David Kampf, uh, at one point, was in the first period. He tried to do the Michigan behind the net. And Matheson diagnosed it right away. And he comes down with his stick, basically just slashes the stick, Um, you know, Got to be careful there. You don't want him because if he drops it, of course, the refs are going to call him for slashing. Uh, but he goes for the Michigan. Matheson slashes him down on the stick, makes sure it's away from the hands, and completely stops the Michigan in his tracks. Um, you, you see guys pulling off the Michigan all the time, and you see defensemen kind of just looking at him like they don't know what to do. And Mike Matheson immediately knew what to do on that one. I 
I know I've said this before, so I probably sound like a broken record, but every game that I see him play, I grow more and more impressed with what he's capable of doing. I really think Pittsburgh maybe overlooked what they had there. I think, honestly, I think the Habs are better off with Mike Matheson than they would have been if they kept Jeff Petrie. Of course, that's assuming that Jeff Petrie was willing to even stay in Montreal in the first place, which I think we all know he requested the trade. He wanted out, so probably a far cry from sure that he would have stayed in Montreal anyways. But I think Mike Matheson is better. I think Pittsburgh might have fucked up. Maybe they should have kept Mike Matheson. I'm not so sure that Jeff Petrie has them further ahead than Mike Matheson would. I don't know. It's just a thought. But I've watched him so far this year. I started out not so high on him at the beginning of the year. Anybody who's followed this podcast throughout the entire course of the season knows that I was down on him in the first five, six, maybe ten games that he played after coming back from injury. But he grew on me, uh, and he grew on me fast. And, uh, yeah, but. By this point, with two games remaining in the season, I can't see a scenario where he's not on the top pair next year, uh, and I'm not going to be excited to see what he does on the top pair. So, Mike Matheson, man, great season, uh, very impressed with him. Uh, he might be one of the silver linings of the entire year, really, for the Habs is, is finding out what he can do. So, uh, good on him, good on him, and good on the Habs for that trade. Good on Kent Hughes for that trade. Uh, I think that one's going to look pretty damn good uh, once we get, you know, once all is said and done. Aside from that, I don't really have anything positive to say about that game. It's a 7-1 drubbing at the hands of the Leafs. Like, I went into this game, you know, kind of hoping the Habs would lose, but at the same time, I can never cheer for the Leafs. It is virtually impossible for me to do. The only time that I have ever said the words, go Leafs, go in my life was when they were playing against Florida, and then they ended up losing to Florida, which just pissed me off to no degree. So, (laughs) it's... It's tough, but I was I did kind of go into this hoping that they would lose. And guess what? From a tank standpoint, this was actually a pretty good night for the Habs because Arizona beat Anaheim, which moves them back ahead of Montreal, and the Habs are now back in fifth last in the pole position for the fifth overall pick and an 8.5% chance of winning the lottery and getting the first overall pick. So that's great news um, that we moved back into that spot. Arizona is only one point ahead of Montreal. So they have 69 points. Montreal has 68. Um, if both teams lose the remaining games, of course, Montreal would stay exactly where they are. Montreal has the New York Islanders up next, and then they have Boston. The Islanders game, that one, uh, the Islanders are going to show up gunning. They are in a battle. They Right now, they occupy the last playoff spot. The last playoff spot. So they're going to come out firing. They're going to want to win that game by as many goals as they can possibly do it. Um, I don't think that that one's going to be... Well, maybe it could be close. I think it could be close. They kind of play a little bit trappy sometimes. Uh, They they don't necessarily go all-out offense. So it it might be possible for the Habs to keep that one interesting, but I don't think they can win it. The one that worries me is the Boston game after. Because Boston, they've had (laughs) the pole position number one in the East wrapped up for, what, a fucking month now? I don't think that they're going to be starting anybody of note. I think they're going to have mostly, mostly backup players in there. They're definitely uh, not going to be taking that one super seriously. They're not going to be trying to exert themselves too much in the final game of the season. It might be similar to that Panthers game at the end of last season when the Panthers were already in the playoffs and then the Habs spanked them 10-1 to at the end of the year. It could end up looking like that. 
And if that's the case, then we have to hope that Arizona also has one of those games remaining for them. And they only kind of do. Arizona's final two games are against the Seattle Kraken on Monday and then against the Canucks on Thursday. So the Canucks, they're out. They're not making the playoffs. So I can tell you right now, both teams are going to have full rosters for that one. They're both going to be probably trying to win, quote-unquote, um, and we'll see what happens there. The Seattle Kraken one is the one that's interesting because they're in the playoffs, uh, but they're not you know, like Boston. They're not a lock with home ice advantage. They might, um, they might be coming armed up for that one. They might be trying to win. Maybe because they've got a playoff spot locked down at the very least, they might say, all right, we'll rest a few people, and maybe that gives Arizona a chance. It is almost imperative that Montreal not leave anything up to chance and just lose these remaining two games and keep that fifth last spot. I've had some people talking on Twitter lately, uh, because when I put out a tweet early in the game where I was saying, like, look, we got one shot on goal. No, they had zero shots on goal at that point, and my tweet was like, hey, guys, listen, zero shots through the entire game would be a little on the nose when it comes to tanking, wouldn't it? And some people are coming back and saying, like, why are you cheering for them to lose? Like, really, you want them to lose just so we can have a 1% higher shot at Connor Bedard? Keep in mind, anybody who's saying that, it's not just a 1% higher shot at Connor Bedard. It's a higher shot at being fifth overall instead of sixth, which makes a difference. It's less chance of moving down in the draft because there's only so far that you can move back if other teams win the lottery. Right, So being in fifth last gives you less spaces to move back than there would be if you were in sixth last, and so on and so forth. So being fifth last, it's not like that's make or break for me because I'm going, ooh, 8.5 for Connor Bedard. Yeah, of course, I keep mentioning it because it's important. You know, I, I like to think that there's still a shot that we might get him. Uh, if you've seen him play, you know why I'm thinking that because, man, he's good. But... Look, there's also the possibility they could win the lottery and move up to second overall, right? You don't have to necessarily move up to first. They can move up to second. They can move up to first. Um, I think it's important that they have the best possible odds and also limit the amount of spaces that they could potentially move back. This team needs a game breaker. They've got Cole Caulfield. They've got Nick Suzuki. They need a game breaker outside of those two. It can't just be those two generating offense. We saw at the beginning of the year when this team wasn't all that bad, when they were technically, like what? They were in a playoff spot for, I think, the first 12 games of the season or so. But it was Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Kirby Doc doing everything. They need to get players who can play around them. And the way that you do that, barring a marquee free agent signing, is in the draft. And this draft, particularly at the top end, they have a number of players who could maybe be that for the Montreal Canadiens. So they have to get into that fifth last spot best possible odds that they have for them right now will be there. They can't get any higher. They're not uh, like San Jose is eight points back from them right now. Uh, and they're on a three game losing streak. Anaheim's on a 10 game losing streak and they're 11 points back. There's no mathematical way for them to catch those teams. So fifth last is the best they can do. That's where they need to be. I get it. I understand everybody who gets upset about the tank talk, you know, I know, I I hate watching the team lose. I prefer to cheer for them to win every single game that they ever play. If they ever had an 82-0 season, that would be my dream. That would be perfect for me. I never have to watch them lose. But look, this year, unfortunately, we got to root for the losses a little bit. So, Tank Nation, it was a good night. Unfortunately, Florida won, so... 
that sucks, but hopefully they could lose a couple of times in the remainder here. And maybe, just maybe, there's a miracle that could happen here to keep them out of the playoffs. That would be nice. I'm going to cut it off there. We're running uh, well about 20 minutes by the time I'm done my little spiel at the end here. So, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.